Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, you're going to need that because that's what we do here. We are people of the Word. We are people who sing from the Bible. We are people who read the Bible. We are people who pray the Bible. And we want to be a church who teaches the Bible so that we can be people who live the Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's Word. Uh, we believe that God is above all. There is none above Him. Why would we then not live according to His Word? So, it'll be on the screen for you, but there's also one in the row. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Today we're going to talk about the king's public praise. Uh, king had a dream. Daniel witnessed to him privately. You pull it down a little bit, it's just feeding back just a oh so little bit. Um, now, after Daniel, maybe up just a little bit more. After Daniel, after Daniel uh, gives the interpretation and tells the king to repent... We're going to see where he is, and then here at the end today, the king will praise God publicly, not like he did at the beginning, just kind of saying the right words because they fit, uh, but singing the right words because they fit with a right heart. And so let's read this together, starting in verse 28. And all of this, everything that we talked about last week, and I'll, you'll see, all of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is this not great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, the royal residence, uh, and for the glory and majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and for seven periods of time will pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he wills. Immediately, the word, the word was fulfilled against, King, against Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from among men, and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair grew long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes from heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honor him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generations, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the time my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors, my lords sought me, and I established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all the works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride. And this, is, this is one of the most important lines for me. Because I continually tell you that pride is a struggle of mine. I want, there's a cup 
Miss Ayana made me a cup because I, I, I joke around about this. Like I want my life to be lived for the glory of God. And so this coffee mug on one side says the glory of God. But oftentimes I begin to behave in such a way that I want my life to be about the glory of God, but I kind of want it be, to be presented by. So like right now the, the Olympics are streaming on, you know, maybe you, you watch it on the internet and your, your stream is presented by Saratoga Hospital or Coca-Cola or Nike. I want the glory of God to be presented to you by Greg Clark. And so she made me this coffee mug that says the glory of God on one side and by Greg Clark on the other side. And in my office, the part where it says Greg Clark is turned towards the wall. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. I want to look up and I want to see the glory of God. But for me, like there's this constant draw back to but of course God wants me. I'm pretty good. Right? I'm pretty good. And King Nebuchadnezzar ends his little prayer with, He is able to... Uh, for, he, for all his works are right in his ways, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And I'm reminded at the end of what we read last week, what we talked about, where... David, or not David, Daniel says to the king, therefore, let my counsel be accepted to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy that, may, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And God gave King Nebuchadnezzar an entire year. An entire year. Daniel calls the king to repentance. And he doesn't. But if you don't repent, the Lord is going to take your mind from you. He's going to give you the mind of a beast. He's going to make you walk around out in a field like a wild animal. You're going to eat with them. You're going to look like them. Just turn from your ways by practicing righteousness. Turn from your iniquity by showing mercy to the oppressed. And God gave him time. We started out chapter 4 here where King Nebuchadnezzar sings this melodic line. And this melodic line we believe is the same line throughout the whole scriptures from the first page to the last. And it is that the king of heaven is above all. He is in all and all things exist for him. And so every inhabitant, every tongue, every person on the earth should give their honor, their worship to this God of heaven. And having had a dream interpreted and, and understanding, Daniel or King Nebuchadnezzar praises God. And then seeing some men thrown into a fire and seeing a fourth man there in the fire, he once again praises God. And he says that everybody on earth should praise this God. But they were just words. And I've just been thinking and I've been praying. First examining myself. Are there areas inside of me where this praise is just words? And where there are how is the Lord calling me? How is God calling me 
to trust him with the way that I parent my kids. I, I want to raise my kids to know and love God, but I don't often run to him first. All right, so this is, this is that kind of picture that we see here with King Nebuchadnezzar. God is the God who saves people from the flame. We should all praise him. I got a dream that scares me. Where do I turn? Magicians, enchanters. Let me look for other solutions first. And if I'm honest with you, and that's where I am as a parent sometimes. I don't run to God and pray and say, God, help me because I don't know how to be the dad of a 12-year-old little girl. And all I know is that 12-year-old little girls become 13-year-old little girls and then it's just impossible uh, for like the next 10 or 12 years. So instead of running to God, knowing that the scriptures tell me that I should train up a child in the way that they should go and they won't return from it, or they won't, they won't turn from it. I just get harsh, and I start to yell, and I get angry, and, and I find myself in the exact same place the king is here. I want everybody to know and worship God, and every tribe and nation and tongue should turn to God in every area of your life. He stands victorious over it. Just turn to him, and he will be your God. He will be your God. He puts everybody in their position for his glory. And so turn to him. But I'm not going to do that as a parent. I'm so hurt by that. And that's where I've been these last four weeks as we've just been here in this chapter. Where God is continually calling me back to himself in every situation. And so then I've been praying for others. Others who are struggling in their marriage or people who are struggling with addictions or people who are struggling in their mind space, just kind of mental instability that people go through from time to time. And I've just been praying that in your mental struggle, in your addiction that you won't just try to white knuckle and pull your boots up and say, I got this. And at the end of the day, you come back feeling like a failure. But I've been praying that we would be people who run to God first thing in the morning. Let's say, God, I don't know how to parent teenagers. I don't know how to parent tweenagers. I don't know how to parent small children. God, I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know how to lead people. Rather than just pulling things up by my bootstraps and saying, hey, I got this, follow me, I'm your leader. Yeah, I got this. And so first my prayer is that we would be people who would run to God. That we would not just say that we run to God. We wouldn't just wake up and read our Bibles in the morning because that's what we're supposed to do. Because we see here at the beginning of chapter 4 where Nebuchadnezzar says, the God of heaven, the God of Daniel, the God of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he is the God of all gods. He is the only person giving, worth giving your life to. And he says that. And that's what happens when we wake up in the morning and, okay, let's check this off our list. Read a few verses, pray a prayer. 
go on from our day. So my prayer is that we would truly be people who worship God in every moment of our life. Because it matters. The tagline for our series is faithful living in an unfaithful culture. And when we don't live our lives faithful to God, when I don't parent my children faithful to God, when I don't exercise love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control with my children, I'm building up something in the future. I'm not prepared to face down this moment but I'm definitely not prepared to face down the one in the future that I'm building that I can't even see. When it comes to addiction, what are we building up in our kids? What are we building up in our friends and our coworkers and our spouses when it comes to just getting lost inside of our own minds. Mental health is a really difficult thing because the solution is so hard and seems so far away. And to get lost in that, we are building into the people around us something that we are incapable of facing. Because we think we can handle this. Right? So if this feels impossible, guess what? The future is when you're building that. And I say all this because this story here through the first four chapters of Daniel is not just about Daniel living faithfully in an unfaithful culture. But this is a story that is as much Maybe even more about Daniel's ability to speak into the life of the king because of his faithfulness. This is a story. The first four chapters are a story 23 years in the making of Nebuchadnezzar bending his knees, having been humbled and says that the God of heaven, there's not just other gods. He's the only God. He's not above all gods. He's the God. He's the God who can take the mind of a sane man and make it like that of a beast. He's the God who can humble the strongest, most powerful people and bring them as to nothing. He can give a man a kingdom and he can take it away. See, without the faithfulness of Daniel, without the faithfulness of Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. There is no song of redemption in the mouth of King Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is where my heart and my prayers have gone this week. It's not just that we have to be people who are faithful and pursue righteousness because the Bible calls us to be faithful and pursue righteousness. But 
We are people who are to be faithful and pursue righteousness because there is a lost and broken world watching. There are broken people who are desperate for healing that they'll never find if the people of God do not rise up and say he is worth giving everything to. You see, you see, I struggle with my pride and I struggle with anger and I struggle as a parent. And you know what? God is teaching me to give that to him. And so I know that you struggle with this or that, or you struggle here, or you struggle there. But here's the thing. God is building inside of each of us. A witness that says that Jesus covers all of your weakness. And even better than Jesus covering all of your weakness is that Jesus covers all your strength. You see, it's easy for us to turn and say, God, I'm weak. God, I'm poor. I need you to cover up my weakness. I need you to fill up my lack. But what God is teaching me is to say, God, I'm strong. And I need you to cover up my strengths. You and I live in a world where people ascribe honor and glory in a number of different places. In a number of different ways. There's a band. Um, you might have heard of them. They're called U2. And uh, they wrote a song many years ago. And it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. So I will sing, sing a new song. He set my feet upon the rock and made my footsteps firm so many would see and many would fear. So I will sing, sing a new song. You and I read that together this morning. You and I prayed that together this morning. Saying, I'll sing a new song, is far easier than living a life that sings a new song. See, King Nebuchadnezzar at the beginning of this story says, I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song, a song of praise to this God who is the God of all gods. He's the Lord of all kings. But at the end of the story, Nebuchadnezzar says, yeah, yeah, that's the new song. So it wasn't just responding to God with words and deeds and coming and going and doing but it was stepping back and saying, holy cow. Look what God has done. And so you and I now look to the cross where we sing this morning, and I cast my mind to Calvary. 
where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. And then his body bound, drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. But on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. And he said this for you and for me. O trampled death, where is your sting? Death has no power over us anymore. Because we can now look not just to Daniel's faithfulness. Like King Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel's faithfulness continually draws me back to the God of heaven. Daniel's faithfulness here in refusing to eat the best foods. It just draws me to God. Daniel's ability to hear from God and interpret a dream and tell me of this stone who would be cut from the mountain and would become the stone on which everything is built causes me to shift my focus from myself to this God. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down when the music of our culture played. Then it points me to say, look at that, a fourth man. Where did he come from? But from heaven. Daniel again interprets this dream and says, come back to this proclamation you've been making and make it from a repentant heart. But he doesn't. All of that does not point us to the greatness of Daniel. It points us forward to Jesus, who you and I can look and say, what faith has saved me. That he would leave heaven and enter time and space at the right time, born of a woman, born under the same rules that you and I were born under, so that he may redeem us. That he may, he, he may rescue us. And that he may call us as sons and daughters. That we may be able to cry back, Abba, Father. Daddy, Father, rescue, redeem, heal, save. So there are people from our culture who will rise up and say, sing this song to God. But they don't necessarily mean it. I've been watching the Olympics. And every night you hear this story of Michael Phelps who was on top of the world. And then pictures of him smoking something. And at that point, everything begins to crumble out from underneath him. To the point where he says he wants to take his own life. Then he gets a couple of arrests for drinking and driving and agrees to go to a treatment facility for 45 days. And then we hear that he turns his life to God. And 
And we don't judge whether or not he did or didn't. But a life who is at the top of everything and has everything in the world, who is humbled and brought to nothing, will point people back to that God with their life. And so now we get to watch and see. There's a, a rock band, one of the craziest rock bands, just over the top everything. One of their music, it's, it's corn, you're right, corn with a K, not corn with a C. That's what you eat for lunch today. But one of the, one of the musicians in that band, just on painkillers and over-the-counter medication and prescription medication and alcohol, comes to the point where he has everything this world has to offer. And all he wants to do is die. And the Lord speaks to him in that moment. And I'll tell you that everything that I have seen from that man, from that day till now, is pointing people back to God. Just go watch a video on YouTube where he is calling people out of sin and brokenness, out of things that will never, ever satisfy you, things that will always leave you wanting more and turn to the thing that will give you more than you ever knew you needed. You know what's crazy about this story? Nathan sent me this, this article after church last Sunday leading to this. There's this story about this guy who was ministering to some people after a concert. He, he'll sign every autograph. You know why he signs autographs? Not because he believes his name is worth putting on anything. But while he signs that autograph, he has the opportunity to talk to you about the God of heaven who changes everything. And he met a transgender couple and prayed with them and they gave their life to God and Christians began to roast him because he did not tell them that they were filthy, dirty sinners and they needed to change everything. The first thing is that they already knew they were filthy, dirty sinners. Why would they turn and give their life to God? And we as the church have this really crazy problem where we expect people to come in and behave. Then they can belong. And once they've behaved appropriately and they belong here, then, then we can decide whether or not they really believe this stuff. And what Brian was saying in this moment was, listen, these people now believe the right things. And the Lord is setting them on a path to learning how to be behave appropriately. But you guys, you Christians, are making it impossible for them to feel like they belong to the family of God. And I say that because these proclamations of God as Lord and Jesus as Savior has to give people the opportunity to belong to the family and then teach them how to turn from their sin by practicing righteousness and their iniquity by giving mercy to the oppressed. 
And we set people up for failure every single time. We say, you can't come in here and really believe God and love him with your life if you're an alcoholic, a drug addict, mentally disabled, prideful, arrogant, and bad. Well, what we need to say is that we are all broken sinners. And Jesus saves broken sinners. He saves the person strung out on drugs and alcohol, and he saves the person strung out, strung out in their own mind. And he's calling all of us to take steps. And so the hope is that our life would sing that our God saves, our God reigns. And so we live here not just to sing this, but we want to live to lift him up, up, up. Let it be known. There's a phrase attributed to Francis Assisi that's incredibly inaccurate. Um, but it does make you think, right? You've all heard the phrase, preach at all times, if necessary, use words. It's, it's crazy because that's like saying feed the homeless, if necessary, use food. Right? But... The thought is that if your life doesn't match your words, right? So the first sermon you preach is the one with your life. But if you don't preach it with your words too. And that's where Daniel has gotten here with King Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to be done with him. This is the last week with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to die and his son's going to take over. The son's going to be terrible and his reign's only going to last a couple of years. And then his grandson will take over and we'll meet him. But Nebuchadnezzar, it appears, will live the rest of his life understanding that his kingdom was not built by himself, but was given to him by God. Your life, your salvation, your redemption, your life in Jesus was not built by, earned by, and was in no way your choice. But God chose you for himself. And now he sends you out to make him known to the world. So where are we? I've been trying to face down all the places where I'm failing. And I'm trying every day and I would covet your prayers. But the Lord will continue to help me rid myself of me so that I can build in my children a trust and dependence upon God because they saw it modeled in their dad. That God would build a trust and dependence in you because you saw it modeled in your elders. And so what about you? I'm asking you to pray for me. In the back of the room, we've got some cards. I don't care what you scribble it down on. Write it down on some paper. You put it in the boxes. You can bring it up here. Put it underneath my microphone. I don't care where you put it, but I want to pray for you. Where do you struggle to let God be Lord and King in your life? And how can I pray with you about that? How can Ed 
Nathan, Donna, Vince, Craig, how can the leaders at our church pray for you? How can we know how to stand next to you? How can we know how to walk with you? This isn't the kind of church where you come, you get a little bit, and we trust that you go out and do it all. We want to be with you. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you. Tell us how we can do it. So we started out this morning singing that we want our lives to let it be known that our God saves. How do we do that? Our lives have to sing of this love that we found in God. So we're going to wrap our time up by singing that. The worship team will come back. We're also going to taste communion. And communion is not just eating crackers and juice. Because you can walk over there and you can take the cracker and break it off. And this morning there's a bowl of juice and so you're going to dip your cracker into that juice. You're going to watch that cracker be covered in that. Being reminded that your broken life was mended by his broken life. And your sin is covered in his blood. But you can do that like Nebuchadnezzar does here at the beginning of chapter 4. Cracker, juice, eat, walk. Cracker, juice, walk, sit, pray, eat. Doesn't matter how you do it, you can do it from a heart that is not truly giving lordship to God. Come this morning being reminded. Listen, communion a lot of church people who are going to be bothered by this and that's okay with me. Communion is less about crackers and juice as it is learning how to respond to God. You can eat crackers and juice every day of your life and never commune with God. And we're not okay with that here. I told you last week that your choice to proclaim God as Lord and King in your life is a humongous indicator of where you are in your discipleship. If you come in here and you eat the crackers and the juice and you proclaim God as Lord and King in here, but go out there and don't, then your communion has been proven. So let's be people who learn to commune with God as Lord and King, who are learning to commune with one another because we can't go it alone. So I want you to take a minute before you come and I want you to decide whether or not you are actually coming to commune with God or are you coming to participate in a tradition and ritual? I challenge you to flip over to the book of Isaiah if you're interested in tradition and ritual. 
somewhere in the 50s, 55, 58, and the Lord will tell you what he thinks of tradition and ritual. And he would tell you this, just keep your seat. But the fast that I choose, the fast that I choose, is that you will loosen the strap and the yoke of oppression. That you would let the slave go free. And so when we walk over here and we interact with this table this morning, it is a proclamation that we will go and we will set those who are enslaved to sin free in the name of Jesus. The work has already been done in the cross. But he has called you by authority of heaven, all of it, to make him known. You don't want to do it? Keep your seat. Judgment-free zone. We'll know how to walk with you then. We'll know how to lead you. And we'll know how to love you. But if you're ready to make him known everywhere you go, everywhere, then you come. Break the cracker off. Matching up his broken life with your broken life. And then dip it in his blood that covers all of your brokenness and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. As we sing you come, Lord, we thank you so much for your saving work in Jesus. We thank you for his healing, his renewing, his rescue, his redeeming. Lord, help us make that known to the ends of the world. God, help us. Help us know how to seek you in the areas that are difficult. Help us know how to give you our brokenness. God, help us know how to turn to you in every moment. Because we found a love that is greater than life. We found a, a love that is greater than riches. We found a love that is greater than everything chase it down with all that we have and all that we own.